The Broken Age. Three heroes and an intelligent sword embarked on a desperate quest. The Foothold, one of the few sanctuaries from the savage world, is about to come under attack. They are totally unaware and unprepared. Princess Padmandarava charged our heroes to cross the wilderness to warn the Foothold. In Gravehill Forest, they reached the hermitage of Akashobia, an ally of theirs. Akashobia told them that trapped in the swamp they had just crossed was a sky goddess, cursed and trapped from her true form. When last we left our heroes, they had crossed to the psychic realm and entered the dreams of the goddess to free her. Battle commenced, and within a castle shaped like a glass prism, they found an empty gilded cage, encircled with braziers of green fire. With a host of enemies at the door, and Sir Leonard Glank missing in battle, our heroes plan their next move. Welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords, an actual play podcast about swords without master. With me are three fellow players and one over player in this game of Swords Without Master by Epidiah Ravicol. And they are going from middle and round clockwise on my screen, which won't help anyone but me. <laughs> Stu, who are you? Who do you I play? am middle and clockwise. I am usually Tristan T. Wilde, but today I am playing Sir Leonard Glank, the once mighty warrior knocked foul by a brutal curse. Gwyn. Um, I am Gwyn. I'm playing the sword Kalaniya. Ali. I am Wizard Skink Wrangler, mighty wizard lizard. I am Ben, and I'm playing... Warm Crispin, the final minister. And finally, we have Pete. Hello, I play the overplayer, and I'm going to bring the storm. Previously, on Crudely Drawn Swords, we had a set of... We've played two sessions of Swords Without Master, which has left us with two sets of motifs. The motifs are things that you note down as play progresses that are appealing to you for whatever reason and so when someone else says something you think is cool or creates a cool little image you note it down as a motif and then once the first three motifs are complete you start a second three motifs which must relate in some way to the first motifs so we have the first motifs are eyes by firelight bright light consumed by darkness and a floating swamp the second set of motifs are a compass made from a circle of bones, a prism of darkness drawn from the wizard's skin, 
and a gigantic golden cage etched with runes and surrounded by green flame. And so we have three more motifs that need to relate to the second list. And once we've noted all of those down, we enter the end game where we start to draw the threads of our story together. So in terms of the technical game, that's where we're at. Mm -hmm. And I believe the gigantic golden cage was our closing image on our previous adventure. It was, yeah. So yeah, sort of uh, the motifs are to do with specifically like sword and sorcery as a genre. So anything cool that relates to that. First thing I do is roll for overtone, and I've done that. We've got a jovial overtone. And we're going to move into uh, a perilous phase, which is all about uh, danger and violence. I understand that mix to be slapstick. <laughs> uh, and the first thing I do is I'll uh, I pass the bones, the dice, to uh, Sir Leonard Glank, currently surrounded by enemies, but uh, because we're in the dream realm, he, he's uh, in his younger human form, so he's full of the vigour of, of youth and um, excitement of being back in a human body rather than a goblin body. Oh no, he's in a human body, but I think he looks old still because this was the first revelation of his age. Ah, uh, okay. But I gave him some magic that made his skin feel younger. Oh yeah. It was like okay. super magic moisturisation. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a big ice ice um, pillar he was fighting on. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and I didn't uh, really want his skin to dry out in the cold. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, so Leonard, you've, you're holding off the forces of these black armoured knights uh, you you held them off long enough for the others to escape, but now the horde they've gotten a few blows in on you. Uh, you're bleeding from a few flesh wounds. Your shield is like cloven uh, in, in sort of you know it's about to fall apart. Uh, and uh, sort of floating towards you on this this disc above his forces is this sorcerer, and he's got a, like a snake's face. And a big hood like a cobra. And he's looking at you with just utter hatred in his eyes. Summoning the powers to his hands. He starts throwing like green lightning bolts at you. And, like blasts off your shield. The shield's burst into two. And then he starts going for this ice pillar that you're standing right. on. Right. I'll take some bones then. Let's just uh, slow this game down the, by doing uh, the uh, yeah the Shift. pillar hashtag oh no the pillar collapses oh, no, with you. bones <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. you're down, down oh, on God. the floor you see the forward starting to close in roll the dice they won't roll you roll they're stabbing you in the back ah <laughs> oh, he's got a okay well it's jovial so he he's enjoying this <laughs> <laughs> but he ducks as a big plank is uh, nearly hits his face. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a three. Does that mean anything else? Uh, no, it's your high dice is five, so this is just jovial. Okay. So the pillar's been knocked out from beneath him. Yep. Is that correct? And he's landed. But he he doesn't land gracefully, but he kind of lands in like a, oh, almost like a hero land, but like just out of necessity of like just keeping his balance. 
So he kind of keeps his balance and he's sort of battering down. He raises his sword and he points at Coil Spike. He's like, you are my destiny as I am yours. And his eyes, uh, fire motif, his eyes start not glowing, but there's an intensity there that um, Coil Spike picking up on heat, because uh, that's what snakes do. <laughs> he picks up and it looks like his eyes are flaming to Coil Spike and he's recoils in momentary fear. And I'm going to give the bones back to you, Pete. Yeah, we're going to have a back and forth bone session. <laughs> okay. uh, well, usually you'd pass the bones back to me if that's <laughs> if that's the end of the phase in in a perilous phase. Well, no, we're going to tweak it. Okay, that's right, the temporary pause in the perilous phase where Cole Spike gets to reply. We're breaking games. We're breaking walls down. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, yeah he... and you can just ask for Cole Spike's reaction yeah, as well. Right. You can always uh, yeah, play effectively to that. that. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Coil Spike, he sort of peers at you like he's sort of sneering, looking down his non nose at you. His little tongue flicks out. Typical. Who are you, mortal? He says. Who are you to stand in my way? Like, there's like a temporary lull, and like the blades stop ringing down for a second as the kind of the, the, the creatures sort of look at yeah, each other, makes... and Coil Spike kind of. Like just makes a gesture and they they hold back, and so Leonard drags himself to his full height and he throws down his shield and he's just standing there with his sword. He's like, "I am Sir Leonard Glank, first of the house Glank, and I will be your ruin." <laughs> and the sun parts and like a rainbow goes overhead because it's jovial, and he's like, ah, "I wish that was a bit more, a bit more intimidating than that." <laughs> But he only thinks that to himself and stands firm. <laughs> okay, Coil Spike laughs, his sort of sickly reptilian laugh. <laughs> First and last. <laughs> and just like the Emperor Palpatine, just lightning comes out of his hands. <laughs> Green lightning into Ooh. into into Glank's armor. It's like pushes him down to his knees. <laughs> But so Glank draws his house pendant from inside and he's just like, snaps the string, wraps it round his sword as he's kind of oh, like almost, um, I'm trying to think of the right word. Uh, just kind of, he's cramping up and he's kind of, oh, just desperately wraps the thing and holds the sword aloft. Now, am I... Are we killing Cole Spite or do we want Cole Spite to continue? It it's entirely down to you. Yeah. You're in the dream realm anyway, so yeah. We don't know if dying in the dream means you die in real life. Okay, well I'm I'm just gonna take a wild chop at his head then. So I was gonna throw my sword, but I don't feel like that's heroic enough. So as he's taken the lightning, um, he kind of starts to ugh, ooh, starts to run forwards. And there's a couple of bodies in front of him, and he kind of goes doo, doo, up the first body onto the second, just leaps into the air with his sword above his head, just bringing it down towards Coil Spite's skull. And now Coil Spite can decide what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll give the bones officially back to Ram at this point. Uh, all right. Um, you, so Leonard leaps forward, brings the sword uh, 
to coil spike like as in it was going to slice right into his head there's sort of a burst of of greenish flame uh, and uh, he disappears and Sir Leonard lands on this floating disc and it wobbles like uh, um, and he sort of grabs hold of the, like its rim and he's just got you know just got hold of it um, sort of spinning just ab above the heads of the army uh, so you've sort of temporarily out of danger but like there's still this army around you you're still very far from your friends um, and safety so we'll skip over to the others, and I'll quickly roll for some overtone. Are we shifting phase? We are going to move into a different phase. Jovial, lovely. <clears throat> so the uh, Warm Crispin, Grizzard Skink Wrangler, and Kalanoia. Yo. Kalanoia is... Uh, in a human form at this point. Mm -hmm. And he's taken on some of the traits of the uh, Ice Watchers uh, in terms of uh, his magical abilities. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, uh, you're you in this vast chamber with this huge, huge uh, rune-etched uh, cage and surrounded by these um, uh, sort of green flames uh, burning sort of in stone cups uh, set around this cage. So, uh, I feel like maybe this cavern is larger than the tower was as well. Uh, absolutely. Because we came into it through a tower and like now the space inside is absolutely huge, far bigger than could possibly be in there. From the outside. It's bigger on the inside than the outside. So I'm going to pass the bones. I will pass the bones to Warm Crispin. Okay. And is this discovery? Do you think this should be a discovery or rogues phase? I, I think we're kind of exploring this place, yeah. aren't we? So maybe discovery? We've escaped the immediate peril behind us, so I think discovery might make okay, sense. Okay, let's do that then. Uh, discovery so phase. the rogue player rolls dice immediately and describes some significant detail about the world or plot they know or are now discovering. I think it's... A... Flips! Mystery. <laughs> so, we're going glum, guys. Okay, so the flip puts us in Classic. glum. There is a stymie and a mystery. I'm just going to check what mysteries we already have. We already have what's the goddess in conflict with and what's the power of the green flame. And so that's right. So in this phase, I'm asking a loaded question, but the answer is known only to the players, not the rogues. So to give you a little bit of thunder to ponder. Yeah. Uh, so as you're in this room, you're yeah you're temporarily out of danger, but you know that the hordes of of Kershamora, these uh, black armored knights, are battering on the doors. Um, and from one of the green flames, it's it's ethereal, like um, so very faint, but you see a figure start to rise, and you recognize the that familiar like hooded cobra-like head of Coil Spite. He's sort of emerging from one of these braziers of green flame but he hasn't taken form yet 
Uh, what do you do? Warm Crispin is looking down at this cage, very focused on these rune-marked bars and the fires around it. And then as Coil Spite, as the form of the serpent begins to emerge from the flame, that takes that takes his attention. And he points it out to Grizzard and he's taking his hammer and he's making his way quickly down towards this flame. And there are several fires around the cage, okay, yeah. right? Or is it a single there one? There are several, I think. Yeah. And I think what he misses is that on the fire on the opposite side, Coil Spite is also emerging. Ooh. So the question which I want to know is how would Warm Crispin have been able to recognise which of the coil spite forms is the shadow? Ask it a question that only it could answer. <laughs> uh, as in one of them's the true form of are we going to reveal a hood <laughs> one of them is the true form of coil spites and the other is a is a illusion <laughs> it was the old librarian all along one of them is the refraction in the way that the goddess ah very clever was created was captivated through refraction but because Warm Crispin didn't even see the other one, it was super intent on the first one, that, on the one they, he saw emerge, has no idea it's even there. That's why there was a rainbow. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, yeah, so Warm Crispin wouldn't realise this, perhaps. He's not had enough experience of fighting Coil Spite the Vile. Uh, but... Uh, there are others in the party who who know him better. Um, so the the there's it's actually a mirrored image. So if you're familiar with the with his his sorcerer's robes and the sigils on them, uh, one of them is backwards. Yeah, of course that makes that makes a lot of sense. I'm not telling you which one. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course not. Slightly wonky fang. Yeah. The familiar sort of the scars from previous battles uh, are on the wrong side. He keeps swapping his eye patch, and I think or something. <laughs> I think uh, I think the uh, mystery here should be uh, something like how does the shadow form? How does the shadow form diverge? Very profound. Yeah, well, I feel like that's something that we might draw on when we come to uh, pulling in the threads. Yeah, uh, if you'll indulge me, like this, the the storyline is designed to be a bit metaphysical in a way. Yeah, um, not just because we're in this sort of dream psychic realm. Um, that's that's because of the Michael Moorcock stuff that Ben told yeah. me to read. <laughs> <laughs> so, do I pass the bones on? Then you. Um, in the discovery phase, if the overplayer decides 
on a path forward, they take the dice and move to a, the, another phase. If they can't decide, the rogue player with dice passes them to a new rogue player. So I'm going to pass them to... Yeah, we haven't heard from the others yet. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I think uh, Grizzard would be a good person to pick up. Right. Get them bones a-rolling. I need to roll some bones. Yep. <laughs> Love. Wap, wap, wap. So Grizzard walks towards the, the cage to investigate the insides. Hasn't noticed <laughs> that the flames have one of her mortal enemies inside them for some reason. Because the dust is moving in some strange and unusual way. There's no real... Uh, wind in there, but somehow the draft has made the the dust swirl into eddies. There's something unnatural in there, and so she goes towards it, um, skittering lizards around her um, to investigate uh, what has been in here before and what has been left. Something has been left, perhaps from its previous occupant. Um, there is some kind of uh, perhaps a spirit or a sense of what was left behind. Um, and so she reaches down and with her lizard tongue, which she doesn't really have, but it's slightly longer, just out of practice, she licks it. <laughs> and so, Mr. Overplayer, what does the dust taste of? <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's not a question you're expecting to be asked. I'm assuming like it's a metaphysical answer, like the dust Tastes of melancholy and the sadness of the ages spread across a thousand worlds, I assumed. Get this game. <laughs> <laughs> I can just write badly, I'm fine. <laughs> the dust taster. Disappointment. Eggs. <laughs> Probably, I think it tastes of regret. <gasps> Someone else's regret? Or do I take on the regret and the flavours? Uh, a real sense of sadness and and uh, regret at, at paths not taken, uh, uh, things left undone. Not yeah, not regret for mistakes that were made, but things that were never attempted. Ah, delicious. <laughs> and salt. <laughs> 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 I've had that experience where I tasted something and instantly experienced deep regret <laughs> about uh, not having taken the option of not tasting <laughs> that thing. It was honestly, oh, aloe vera juice. Don't go near it. This is, a, this is mostly a grog memory. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, we nice. never put aloe vera juice in the grog. To be fair, that's very good of you. No, it was bacon. Probably should have done. So. Yeah, so who are you going to pass the bones to? I think then it's time to pass the bones because we've not heard from her at all. Kalanoia. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen sooner or later. <laughs> Stupid game. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of flu. <laughs> you roll some bones. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Just continue um, on for where we left off, Gwyn. Kalanoia uh, solves the plot. Problem's glum. <laughs> problem, problem solved. In a glum fashion. 
Everyone's like, uh, that's exactly the same It was a bright, happy uh, day in the green burning inferno <laughs> yeah. of the gilded cage and Kalanoia was feeling glum. Oh, I feel glum, he said. Oh. Look at all these baddies running around. I should punch them in the face. But he felt too glum to do it. So Kalanoia thought, what could I do to brighten myself up? But he rolled a six, so he couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> then he had a sandwich. What am I doing? <laughs> you are eating a sandwich. Hmm. You are right, in accordance right, with your tone, um, describing some significant detail about the world or plot that you know or are now discovering, and then yeah, asking okay. the overplayer a leading question about it. Where did I get up to in the Kalanoia story? He was eating a sandwich. And as he was eating his sandwich, he looked around and thought, hmm, this place is strange. It's got big, green, fiery fires and big walls. And it looks much bigger inside than it did on the outside, which is a much underused trope, I feel. And as he looked up to the ceiling um, <laughs> and looked around to the different images of coil spites that were running around... Um, and his best friends that were with him by his side. Then he noticed something strange about the physical form of the building. As he concentrated on it a little more, it almost looked sort of wispy and ethereal, uh, until the very upper reaches of what he could see uh, began almost sort of floating and disassembling like fog blowing in the wind. Uh, and as he concentrated on it more, then the the physical form of the building um, started to do the same and begin to dissipate until sort of every direction that he began to look. Things that were tangible before seemed to turn into mist. Um, and so, Mr. Overplayer, why is everything turning to mist? Kalanoia <laughs> <laughs> has quite a unique perspective on life having spent some time as a sword, it, <laughs> it brings uh, with it a, a, a clarity, uh, a, um, a means of cutting through delusion. And as this place is, is a figment of, of someone's imagination, he's able to see past its, its uh, apparent physical form. And he's entering uh, perhaps a higher state of consciousness uh, as a result. Thus, the, the prism castle begins to vanish, followed by the cage, followed by the fire and coil spike, and the army, and the landscape. Just a cloudless sky just kalanoia and his sandwich <laughs> a very bambari like thing isn't it lucky brought a pack eating a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> um uh, you to warm crispin and, and grizzard skink wrangler kalanoia seems to just disappear huh. our sword was a man and now it's nothing this is a very curious place. And coil spite and coil spite is right here. 
rising out of the flames. Ah! Coil spite! Uh, so, we have an ethereal Kalanoia, a uh, empowered Leonard on a surf mm -hmm. disc, and two of us in the Great Hall by Coil Spite. Oh, there we go. Uh, so, a jovial overtone. We're gonna, I think we'll go, let's go into the rogues phase. I made uh, whirling eddies of dust in still caged air a uh, yeah. motif. Yeah, basically, Ben, you're the motif man. <laughs> we don't really, the, the three regular players aren't really <laughs> writing these down. Are motifs like the badges they get in, like, hey, Dougie? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. You've earned the whirling eddies of dust and still caged air badge. <laughs> that does sound like a good badge cool. to have. Yeah. So, we're going to the rogue's face um, with uh, barely controlling this flying disc over the, whole, the heads of the hordes of Kershamora, um, who's swinging their swords up, trying to and uh, trying to shoot with, through their crossbows. Uh, so Leonard Glank, uh, show us how you uh, reunited with your companions and the sacrifices you made to get there. Show us how I was united. I can make that harder for you and say, you know, how do you, how does your sacrifice help your allies? <laughs> um, or I can keep it the original. I, 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 think may, I think maybe the reunited one would work well, because okay. the sacrifice one might well come into the end game. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I, was, I wasn't going to... There was no death now. Um, as he sort so of... Uh, you get to roll a, a stride this... Oh, for crying out loud. And then describes using the tone. Glum. <laughs> okay. Uh, how to make this glum. Okay, so I think, yeah, so Leonard's going to be... He's going to be concentrating really hard on this. Like it's going to be. Yeah, well, it's glum because he's he's as he's trying to find his footing on this flowing ice disc. He sort of works out where to put his weight, and he can kind of tilt it, and it it moves slowly forwards. And he and he's sitting there, and he's like, oh, he's thinking about his friends. He's like, I've and he, he's looked around for Cold Spite, and Cold Spite is nowhere to be seen. He's like, well, I've got to help my friends. And as he thinks that. The, the board sort of picks up speed in the way he's leaning. And so he, he look, looks across to the tower and he keeps thinking, my friends, I've got to help my friends. And so the board starts gaining speed. But what he doesn't realise is his, he's ageing. So his muscles are becoming weaker and they're sort of starting to fall away. And he's like, he struggles and he drops his sword, his family sword that had the heirloom <laughs> tied around the handle. That's what he's lost. He can't carry it anymore. He doesn't have the weight. It doesn't have the strength for it. And so that kind of falls behind him into the masses that were jumping and leaping and trying to get into him. And the rain's pelting down because it's glum. And that's the only thing I can yeah, think yeah, of yeah. to make it glum, <laughs> as is my go-to, the weather. And, like, the rocks starting to slowly melt away. And there's, like, icicles are forming and snapping and falling down, but it's it's making the block get smaller and smaller. He's get weaker and weaker and his hair's gotten greyer. He just feels that it's getting greyer and he can't really <laughs> hear when the, the sort of cataracts is back in one of his eyes. And as he kind of slumps and smashes against the, uh, the castle walls and um, he kind of flips over and lands, smash, smashes onto this wooden roof and he just boom, 
falls through the roof and his armor's when he's down. He falls and he's smashing layer after layer, floor after floor, until he comes crashing down in between the rest of his friends. He's like, I made it! <laughs> and he's just <coughs> broken and useless and can't really use his limbs anymore. <laughs> You wanted glum. You've now got a crippled Leonard Clank. From hero to zero. So you get to uh, ask a question and pass the bones. Excellent. <laughs> right, let me think of something horrible. So as, as Leonardo uh, lies there and he's, he's sort of bro- broken, he's, uh, you know, a, sent, a sort of, uh, uh, you know, a moment of clarity comes upon him. That uh, you know, things aren't things in this psychic realm don't always represent what they appear to be, or they don't. Things aren't always what they seem in this place. Interesting. Um, he he feels sort of close to to death, and he's sort of glad that Warm Crispin is there because he knows that this is somebody that understands, you know, the passing from one realm to another, from mortality to from yeah, mortality. That there's a solution to this. That it's a it's a it's a puzzle. Like things aren't quite what they seem. It's a puzzle that uh, he if he, he if he could concentrate, he could get get past it. Okay, show us how warm Crispin uh, makes Leonard Glank feel okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I give him a big hug. I'm like I can't think of anything else. All that for nothing. I'll roll the bones. Flips, time oh, mystery. <laughs> That's the best response to that question. Yeah. Uh, because... You, we just don't see it. Because <laughs> basically it means he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can't reveal his mysterious ways. All of that for Chuck. Well, actually, that's quite good, given how complicated I was trying to go. So, Warm Crispin is facing up to, he's placed himself between the figure of Coil Spite and Grizzard, who was licking the cage, as far as he knew, um, using her mysterious powers to analyse its contents and learn the secrets of the place. And then Kalanoa vanished, and suddenly Leonard tumbled to the floor behind them, and he turns to see his, he looks round to see his friend lying on the floor. And as he does that, green lightning sparks off his shield. And, but it kind of sizzles around the edge and then vanishes through the shield's heart. And it seems that Coilspite's power, while he can maintain this defense, is strong. And he's, stepping back and then kneeling on the floor and he reaches down to Leonard and he says my friend these few minutes have been unkind to you (laughs) (laughs) and so apparently has that fall yes I'm very badly broken (laughs) (laughs) yet I am granted some knowledge of this of this realm and the realms beside it. This should be your time. 
the gates await you. The realm is so close, and age has carried you so far. But Leonard, you are separated from death. This is perhaps why you have survived that fall. The mother cannot welcome you yet. There is some other magic at work here. Ooh. And the lightning sparking on the side of his shield flickers and like flashes on the side of his face. And he calls over and says, Grizzard! Yo! Show us how you are able to reach out and make contact with Kalanoia. <laughs> Sorry, Quinn. <laughs> Bringing you back, baby. For one last time. One last job. Oh, I've got a bones this as well, haven't I? Let's see now. Yeah, I forgot about this phase. I like it. Well, it's the funniest story. <laughs> <laughs> you asked me for a tale of how did I... <laughs> and as I rolled the, the taste of the dust in my mouth and fate felt the regret and the roads not taken, I tasted something else. An absence, a disappearance, a place beyond where we were, beyond where we could go. Somehow, somehow I, I could sense that there was something beyond, beyond this place, which we kind of knew because we'd sort of entered here by a weird prism. <laughs> I totally remember that. And in that, I, I tasted the piquant flavour of pride. Tasty, tasty pride, but arrogance, bitter, bitter arrogance that would override all flavours. And I knew, I knew that sense. I knew that it was our old friend, the sword, Kalanoia. And so, with my special spit, I concocted a message to him, <laughs> spat it into the ether and hoped that it would make its way out of the dream world and into another place. <laughs> I didn't remember why I said that before. <laughs> wow. Kalanoia, tell us how you received the message. Grizz's <laughs> spit message. Spit message. It's like, you know. Give us your information. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> right, so I yeah, I roll, yeah. Yes, you roll yeah. for tone. Okay. Jovial. Jovial AF. So uh Kalanoia, the um the state mm. that you're in is is a bit like lucid dreaming. Like you're you're aware of uh of that the others are close. Um, but they're not perceiving things as you are perceiving them. There's a real sense of, like, sort of boundlessness uh, to where you are now. So Kalanoia was existing in this strange dream-like state where sort of shapes manifest. Um, and when they don't manifest, they just get a sense of like feelings and concepts that you can't put your hands on, like closing your eyes and there's different colours, but you can't focus on them or anything like that and through that something manifests and it latches on to Kalanoia's consciousness uh, and suddenly 
things become a little more clear, and Kalanoia shouts into the void, Stop trying to taste me, weirdo! (laughs) 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 What are you doing? Got you licked. (laughs) But in that moment, he's reminded uh, of his friends that are elsewhere, Uh, and so... The, the shapes and the, the concepts and the multitude of realities that are all existing at the same time uh, where he is um, suddenly feel a lot closer, like he can touch them and he can form them uh, and mould them into uh, different forms. Uh, and from the spit that has been gobbed at him by <laughs> Grizzard, a link is established back to the reality that he just passed from. And so he reaches towards that and gathers it up um, within his hands. Uh, and the the friends that are within that hall have a sense of almost being like within a giant snow globe, I guess. Um, and as Kalanoia sort of reaches into that reality and begins to shake it, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> then uh, green fire like snow starts to swirl around the room um, until he gestures forward um, and crushes that reality, uh, causing it to collapse in on itself. And suddenly each of those people uh, are back outside it in their own forms once again. Whoa. And Kalanoiv is a sword once more. All of this dreamlike reality collapses in on itself. It's it, unable to maintain its form. Yeah, you wake up sort of in your bodies or in your sword form back inside this hermitage. And you sort of, you know, have a second to, uh, to, to look at one another, to take that in uh, when there's a burst of light and a uh, kaleidoscopic effect uh, coming from outside of the cavern of the cave, um, and it, this light sort of shines into the cave, and uh, you see this kaleidoscopic effect of all these blue and green eyes swirling. But that then you come to realize that that's they aren't eyes, but it's actually the feathered plumage of like a giant peacock. These feathers turn around to reveal uh, a woman who has uh, huge blue wings for arms. You look into her eyes and you feel a, a sense of wonder, of wonderlust, a desire to sail beyond the sunset, to see what's beyond that mountain, to visit the stars themselves. Ah, to spread my wings again. Such a liberating feeling. Thank you all, darlings. Golly, aren't you gorgeous? Any time. Yeah, Crispin gives a uh, gives a bow and says, "My lady, are you the one that was ensnared?" Obviously, <laughs> says uh, Leonard. <laughs> they led me to believe that the prison, the prism, was was all there was. That there was nothing left to explore. I am a goddess of wonderlust of What's beyond the horizon? To think that there was nothing left to see kept me imprisoned. But I'm wool gathering, I apologize. You have all done a great deed today. You may each have a boon of me. 
what do you ask? And I think we'll move into a discovery phase for this bit. So I shall pass the bones to... Well, I mean, would anyone like to leap first or should I roll the dice? How roll do I kill dice. you? <laughs> uh, Are we meant to be killing her? It's useful to know. It's a sword. That's what swords do. Grizzard skink wrangler. <laughs> yes, not me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the overtone, Pete? Jovial, as per for my overtones. It's <laughs> can't help it. Well, hello, <laughs> good evening. Like, I she's got a jovial cat. character, it seems. So uh, this makes sense. So she turns to you, uh, Grizzard Skink Wrangler. And she says, "Darling, I love your outfit." Oh, thank you, darling. I've I really worked on this collar. I mean, <laughs> I am a mighty wizard. How dare you? <laughs> so you can r roll the dice. Oh, I do as well. Okay. You roll the bones, yep. and then you describe some significant detail about the world or plot that you know or are now discovering and it's jovial but with an unintended consequence and moral ah mm. oh, that is too much <laughs> for a narrative um, <laughs> so what's supposed to be happening here so we're just interacting with her yeah right? so so you're so you're asking a boon or she's offering you a boon a wish a gift what would you ask of a, of a sky goddess of, of wonderlust? My lady, I ask for the sky always to be above me, that the sun may shine down, and so I will always have the energy of the skies and not have to um, sink into the sand and dig my way in and live through the cold night where blood is not warmed. It seems like a great idea, and she's not thought this through. You're asked. You're asking her to get rid of nighttime, <laughs> so it's just twenty-four-seven sun. Wow! Well, that is a big ask. Here's the thing: in the trade, we call that a bask. Yeah? Bask. <laughs> nice. So, is Grizzard actually a lizard like or a human? That's dressed like a. Yeah. It's hard to say. It's one of those things, you know, ambiguous. Started out as a human raised by lizards and believed herself mostly to be a lizard. And had learned lizard things through practice. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean, you can practice being cold-blooded. Okay, that's fine. what I thought it was. And then I'm like, hang on, have I been misunderstanding this? Is she actually cold-blooded? <laughs> it is confusing, yeah. You are assuming far yeah. too much continuity. That's the word I wanted earlier. <laughs> yes. And so uh, the goddess whispers to Grizzard the secrets of how she can always have the sun, of how she can always be beneath the skies. And off she skitters, forever to wander the earth, to chase the sun as fast as the sun moves around the planets that we're on. <laughs> and that's kind of the unintended consequences. She's got to wander forever, fast. <laughs> and the moral to always be under the sun. Is yeah. Think about things before you ask the goddamn genie. <laughs> Genies <Yes>. are goddamn lawyers. <laughs> I will pass the bones to old man Leonard. Old Leonard Cohen. <laughs> well, that's how the light gets in. Okay. Glum with an unattended consequence or moral. Okay, so as he's standing there, he's like, My lady, if you will, because he's quite <laughs> tired. I, I understand the nature of, of curses and 
it seems to be unfair that it shouldn't, he's ringing his little heart, that it should affect my dear friend Shawhoof. Could you see fit to, to break him? I will take his part of the curse in me. Uh, make me even more of a goblin. <laughs> Ooh, that's the unintended consequence <gasps> is that he loses what last shred of humanity he has and becomes even more goblin so he can no longer speak like a human he has to fully embrace being a goblin <laughs> but he takes takes the curse so he i will take shawhoof's curse <laughs> and the uh, again the heavens crack and the lightning bursts and the woman with the blue wings is like oh what have you done <laughs> this is ancient magic you fool <laughs> and then ah he kind of he he starts getting gnarled and his his limbs almost sort of twist until they're un unrecognizable as human limbs and he's got a goblin crouch now and a goblin hovel <laughs> but you see the <laughs> image in the background of Shawhoof and he kind of does his elephantile kind of but as he as he rears he changes form and in the sunlight is caught these two like uh, I want to say fetlock. That's Is right. Is that the yeah. hair at the hoop? The feathers. Yep. They kind of flow in the rid. Uh, yeah. And, they, and he lands and throws back his mane. And like what's become a, a, a scaled rhino is now the most hunky, gorgeous horse you can imagine. <laughs> and he's just kind of given this one one green eye that says like, yeah, I'm all that. And he kind of... And all the all the mares in the area, they all as they're eating in the plains, they kind of <gasps> their heads pop up, <laughs> and all the female horses from around the world are like, "Whoa, what's just happened?" <laughs> New stallion on the block, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he starts doing like a, sh a strut, a backwards moonwalk horse strut. <laughs> but that's so glum. Yeah. Well, the and then you cut back from that, and Leonard Glank is writhing on the floor in pain as his limbs are knotting up and his blisters are bursting on his hands. Man, wow. Leonard Glank's my favourite. Also, shall we wear coral spiders, please? And then he passes out. Uh, so, Sir, Sir Leonard Glank uh, sort of gets these sort of flashes of. Uh, uh, place far off uh, and he sees uh, a uh, castle in the distance um, which uh, image of oh cool sinister castle so you see in the top left the corner there's like you can see the underside of like a uh, maybe like a cave mouth yep stalactites or stalagmites edit as appropriate tights Leonard Glank sees that and at first he thinks, Oh, I'm looking out from a cave but then like like a bit like a Star Destroyer, like this that oh, keeps yeah. moving over him and there's this whole like floating castle that comes over his head and you can see it like it's like a tower but like um each level oh, wow. uh, is like a, a slightly smaller uh circle. And it twists and turns like a kind of like a cryptex. And uh, this uh, castle is called the Whirling Spire. And this is Coil Spite's uh, lair, his headquarters. <gasps> That's, yeah. And uh, you sort of, uh, his, his vision like flies up the castle. He sees at the very pinnacle of it, uh, sat on a, a throne shaped like a cobra's head. 
gripping like skulls on this on the armrest his coil spike just like <sighs> pure hatred in his in his foul snakish face as he floats this castle magically towards the foothold has he got a steering wheel like that <laughs> he's actually controlling the yeah, skulls. Yeah, it's like it's like pod racing yes. <laughs> still like control skulls <laughs> <laughs> They'd be joysticks, but they're hate sticks. <laughs> when he says float, he means like a carnival lorry. It's just a milk float, yeah. Beep, <laughs> 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 sure. yeah. It's like Father oh. Doodle in Speed 3. So, uh, Stuart, who uh, who do you pass the bones to? Go Kalanoia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, um, so Kalanoia is now just a sword again um and is laying on the on the floor in the the hermitage um and ask for legs be a sword with legs <laughs> yes <laughs> i wish i had a heart um and so kalanaya sort of reaches out to warm crispin um who is in uh enticed into picking up the sword and as he does so then the memory of all of the different realities that Kalanoia's head was in uh, moments ago sort of wash over him um, and Kalanoia speaks through Warm Crispin um, and says to the um, the sky goddess um, yes I will take a boon from you I am Kalanoia the sword what I request is this here is not enough. Um, I wish to be able to slice through reality itself. And you said I asked for a big ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, wow. Okay. Ben, is that going to mess up uh, season three, season four? Or <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think that's uh, that's quite an interesting, an interesting thing for Kalanoia to want. I think it probably comes with a cost uh, even though I didn't roll it um, and that's yeah. probably why Kalanoia is different in the campaign that we play yeah. sure uh, Kalanoia you feel that the ed your edge your sword becoming sharper and sharper like so sharp it starts cutting like air molecules uh, and then it starts cutting through truth and then it starts cutting through. Starts cutting through concepts like light and justice, and eventually it becomes so sharp it can cut through reality. <laughs> <laughs> that is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the cost is the cost. I'll leave. Maybe I'll leave to Ben. Like. Uh, to make sense. That's future Ben's problem. <laughs> yeah, future, but future Ben is actually past Ben, given that when this story's happening. So I hope I solved it before <laughs> episode one. <laughs> well, um, don't worry. Just use the sword that cuts through yeah. reality and then you can just put the solution in. Yeah, that's true. I, it can cut through time itself. Yeah. I mean, the disadvantage is, is that you still need someone to wield you. <laughs> Doesn't matter how sharp you are. Do you want me to go for something different? No, I think that's a I think that's a legit request. And I think we can bind it into how this story ends. Is that the is that the final motif then? Yeah, I think a 
blade that can cut reality might be a good final motif. Are you passing the bones on to me, Gwyn? I'm going to pass them back to Stuart, actually. (laughs) 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 Nice. I'll pass them on to you. Okay, so I've got Jovial by a narrow head. And Warm Crispin kind of puts the blade down on its flat very, very carefully. (laughs) I like reaches his hand away a little bit nervously. He says, um, that's very sharp, very sharp. Now, we have indulged time in an important mission, but I believe, my lady, that you, who see over every horizon, who reach past every mountain, you would be able to find us a way to the Whirling Spire, where we can put an end to Coil Spite's devastation once and for all. Would that be a gift you would grant us? I can grant you this gift for Coil Spite. It's the one that imprisoned me. So I am hungry for revenge. And toast. And so we make our way through... How do we travel? I guess that's my overplayer question. How do we travel to the Whirling Spire? Yeah, with uh, her her magic, she uh, takes some of the grizzards, uh, lizards, and uh, whispers to them. And they grow to the same size as, uh, as uh, Albertus Frogmore. They're large enough to ride. And Grizzard is now blessed or cursed with the ability to to always be in the daytime but is never able to stay still so you're able to travel swiftly across land upon these upon these giant lizards through uh, the rest of uh, the forest and to uh, close to the foothold and uh, to see yeah the, the the whirling spire floating towards uh, one of the last bastion cities that survived this broken age. And the lizards, as they get close, they pick up speed, and they're actually flying lizards, and their wings come out the sides, and you soar up towards the the whirling spire to your final showdown with Coil Spike the Vile Cobra Sorcerer of Evil. a lot of Hey Dougie at the weekend, okay? I like Hey Dougie. It's a good show. really is. Mm. Did you Not see like the one where, uh, where they went to the beach and met the gay crabs? That was a good one. <laughs> no, but I have seen the gay crabs and like one of them never speaks. It's Mr. Yeah, and Mr. Crab. The one. Yeah. <laughs>
there's a solution to this that it's a it's a it's a puzzle like things aren't quite what they seem it's a puzzle that uh he if he, he if he could concentrate he could get get past it okay warm crispin why was leonard glank unable <laughs> to get past it <laughs> and... yes wait <clears throat> <laughs> Wait, unless we're, unless we're there's the lots more phase, to happen so in the it's, mirror it's realm. A show us how. A question. Yeah. Show us how we. Show us how you. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Have we succeeded? What we came here to do? No. By no means. No. <laughs> we're not close. Okay. As far as we know. So I'd effectively be except, editing myself out maybe, for comedy's sake. Except maybe Kalanoia might have. We don't know. We'll see. That's why I didn't know if it was a theme. If we were, I was like, oh, we're coming to the end, maybe? No? Okay. Um, okay, not that then. We, we're, we're two, two um, motifs from the end. Okay. <laughs> what revelation does Leonard Glank have about what was holding him back in the mortal no, so, realm? So the question... So the question is, of the format, show me how I or how, right. how you or how we. Damn it. Okay. Show me how. Show me how Leonard Glanks is okay. There we go. Rubbish, boring, <laughs> easy to answer. Oh, he just stands up. Brilliant. No, I'm going to, I'm taking that back straight away because this is my one chance to make something hard. <laughs> show us, show, how, me show how us how you... <laughs> Steal the sword, Show sink the fleet, how. sneak into camp, seduce the legate, prove to the empress that she can trust you. Show us how you. Okay. Dot dot dot. As in you, as in the person I'm talking yeah, to. Yeah, the the other the other rogue, and that can okay. be twenty of the other rogues. Show us. Show us how Warm Crispin sinks the fleet. <laughs> 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 like what fleet? Or a motif? Can it be horse ovaries twitching? Flyby. Not anymore. We're not flying with a bee that's not big enough. <laughs> Giant bee. <laughs> Giant bee. Okay, problem solved. <laughs> well. We'd have to, like, disguise ourselves as little honey sacks. 